Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the ROSC podcast. This episode, we're going to delve into your own personal experiences. We're going to delve into each and every one of your difficult resuscitations. Now, I want you to think back to any difficult resuscitation you've had. I want you to think back to a patient that you may have had that took a dip, either permanently or just momentarily. And I want you to think about what comes across your mind in those moments. For me, the theme of every critical situation that occurs is one of overwhelm. Overwhelm of all the thoughts that are coming into my mind, of all the possibilities of what could be going on, of all the things that I could be missing in that moment. Now, I want you to think back yourself about the first time you may have walked out of a room like that. What questions popped up into your mind? Did you have questions about yourself and your ability? Did you have questions about something in particular that happened? About your place in all of this chaos? Maybe you had questions that you were hesitant to ask. And the next time something happens, the same question might pop up. Or a new question might pop up. And rather than feel like you have somewhere to go to ask these questions, the culture around you is so tough and forward-moving that you just think, I'll learn it as I go. Or I better figure it out. And I think therein lies the problem. The toughest of us in any field tend to have this quote of, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. But to quote Terry Crews, he of Everybody Hates Chris and the Old Spice commercials, dogs don't eat other dogs. We live in this world and we work in this field of paying forward the difficulty of eating our young. And I almost feel like maybe we pay this forward because those who are above us, who we are expected to just have respect for and we program that into our mind if we want to be like them if we want to be good like them if we want to be respected like them we need to do the things they do and so we pay it forward that's how we learned but the way you learned is the problem we're dealing with here and now we know that things like a smile is contagious and we know that old habits die hard but maybe Maybe we're not trying to kill old habits. Maybe we're just trying to reinforce new ones and pave over the old ones. Because that's how habits work. We don't get rid of habits. We create new ones and sort of our minds, they remove the wiring for that old habit. Now, all of this brings me to the concept of informal debriefing, which is something that the article I linked in the blog post related to this podcast, I linked that in that blog post. There's this concept of informal debriefing, which is self-explanatory. It's the same as debriefing, but it's not within that formal environment of sitting down within a, a conference room or a one-on-one -on -one or whatever it is. It's just being able to walk out of a case and be able to sit and talk about what happened. And the thing that was standing out to me the most about this article was the concept of a negative feedback loop. That negative feedback loop is the very reason why people shy away from the debriefing. And that's where I think all of the above that I've mentioned relates to this. I think debriefing is not about techniques, but it's about mindset. And the interesting thing is, and I may talk about this in a future uh, podcast or blog post, the interesting thing is when you go into simulation, one of the things that they always mention at the beginning of any simulation to this effect is we believe that everyone in this room is intelligent, is capable of learning and wants to do right by the patient and blah, blah, blah. It's all just massaging ego. Having the correct mindset 
I think supersedes any debriefing technique that you would, you could learn. And having the right mindset can give rise to newer or off-the-cuff debriefing techniques, which off-the-cuff techniques in informal debriefing is probably one of the most valuable things you can have. And that's the mindset of being a learner. Now, let me back up a little bit and talk briefly about this. Again, this is a concept that we're going to expand upon later on. By building your ego on the idea that you are intelligent and that you are capable, when you come across something that challenges your intelligence or when you come across something that may expose a, quote, lack of intelligence or lack of competence in a particular subset or skill set, you're putting yourself at risk of damaging your ego. And the last thing you ever want to do is damage the ego. But if you create a foundation for your ego to be built on being a learner, then with practice, when you come across a situation that you don't know something or that a question can be asked, what matters to you more is the answer that you'll get because the answer you get will reaffirm the fact that your ego is built on you being a learner because you just learned something. And while this may be difficult at first, when you build yourself on being a learner, the insults that come your way for how stupid you might be or how dumb of a question that is or whatever snarky remarks come from someone else, you now have the tools to begin to filter that out. You're not going to be able to filter it out right away, but you'll have something in your mind that says, that really hurt. But wait, that doesn't really serve the purpose of what I'm going towards. My ego is built on being a learner. I just got information that helps me confirm that ego. And then you boost your ego. But the thing is, this makes you anti-fragile. Again, another topic that we're going to talk about way more in the coming podcasts and blog posts. But by building yourself on being intelligent, by being competent, by being capable, you will protect yourself by shying away from the things that decrease that feeling in you. However, if you build yourself on being someone who is looking to learn, you'll almost go ahead first into the situations where you might fail. But more relevant to what we're talking about here, you can walk out of the room, have a question, and feel less intimidated in asking the question. You'll still feel hesitant because you're a human being and you're starting on this journey, but you'll have the tools to move forward. And what that means for a learner, what that means for a leader, is that you have the tools to create the environment for someone else to feel what it feels like to be the learner, to feel firsthand what it feels like to have your ego built on being a learner without having to spend the time of explaining, build your ego on being a learner. They just feel it. The action starts to build towards that feeling. Now let's spend a moment reiterating this point from the opposite end. And the reason why I want to spend a moment reiterating it from the opposite side or from the contrast is because you'll relate to it very, very, very closely. If I pride myself on being cool, calm, and collected in a code or in a resuscitation or in a critical situation of any kind, as soon as something happens to throw me off or as soon as something happens to confuse me or make me feel like things are getting a little bit out of control, what's going to end up happening is the protective mechanism is going to kick in. The desire for me to protect my ego, to pr protect the affirmations that I am cool, calm, and collected become paramount because that's just how the brain's going to work because you don't want your ego to be bruised in any situation. But in this situation, you've built your ego on being cool, calm, and collected. So if that breaks, you are now extremely vulnerable. 
The issue with this is you are now on a mission to protect your ego, and that becomes at the expense of what's happening around you. And when something does go wrong, the desperation turns into insulting comments, condescending comments, pointing the finger at someone other than yourself, not taking responsibility and accountability for what happens, then you can see the downward spiral begin to occur. And you can also see how this stuff begins to tap into everyday interactions. Again, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to the level of our training. The thing is, your training in terms of your mindset and your behavior happens not only outside of a critical situation, but outside of the work you do just in your everyday life, and they feed on each other. But think about this for a moment. Think about the effect that this mentality of being the learner, of focusing on getting the answer rather than looking good, to put it very simply and perhaps to put it a little bit cliche. If you start doing that and you're in the position of being a leader or if you're in a position of being a leader in the form of a team member by just looking out for the people around you, if you start putting yourself out there, undoubtedly the people who are at least below you, maybe even the people next to you and above you, will notice subconsciously or consciously and will start to open up in their shell too because they're noticing that it's safe to be vulnerable. They're noticing that it's safe to not know something. And they're noticing that the goal here, as far as your bubble is concerned, the goal is to exchange information, to exchange experiences, and to build each other up, to create a stepladder for each other, rather than just trying to find a way to feel good about yourself in the short term. What this leads to is removing shyness, not being afraid of vulnerability, opening up the floor to questions, no matter how simple or how elementary they might seem. And what that creates is a magnetism. It creates a gravitational pull around you for people to come to you. And the funny thing is what this ends up creating is people who want to make the environment just as good as you've made it. And so by being the thing you wish someone would be to you, you have now just created that environment in a bubble for yourself. And that bubble eventually will expand and expand and expand and become more and more inclusive. So the mantra of simulation medicine, we're all intelligent, we're all capable, we're all looking out for the patient. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thought to have going into a sim or going into a resuscitation. What if we're all adaptable, we're all capable of learning, and we're all interested in growing. What if that's the mantra or something similar to that? Maybe you can think of a better way to say it. But something that brings you to a point of feeling like it's okay to learn something, it's okay to make a mistake. And not only that it's okay to make a mistake, but that the reward is in actually making the mistake. I think that's going to lead to greater growth. And that's just one brick that is creating a better environment of leadership, of teamwork, of empathy, and ultimately workplace wellness. But that's enough out of me for this episode. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment. Send in your thoughts. Send in your questions. Send in your feedback to podcast at rosk.life. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be on the website, podcast at rosk.life. That's podcast at R-O-S-C dot L-I-F-E. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Let me know what you think. Let me know what we could be doing better. 
send in your questions. I will do my best to answer them in the best way that I can. And if I don't have the answer, I'll look it up and find it for you. I want to hear from you. I feel lonely without the community here with me. So let's get that started. Let's create an environment where things like questions and debriefing and difficult situations and celebrating wins and learning from losses. Let's create a space where all of that can happen in a constructive way and it can make us eager for the next time we get to share a moment like that. I'll see you next time.